Hello, everyone. Welcome to the goddamn podcast. This is Mark Joseph Bennett. Oh, my God. I'm back from a hiatus. I was I didn't do a podcast this week, guys. And the longtime listeners, you guys know I went to Argentina and uh, hold on. I got my stupid headphones on again. I am. No, no, I refuse to listen to my own voice. So I um, they're gone now. Back from Argentina. I know. I know all my listeners, all six of you. You're like, well, we we need another podcast. How did you do with the baby on a 15-hour flight? How did you do? We did terribly. It No, no, it was, I actually, I don't know. I kind of, it's sort of weird. Like, I didn't want it to go bad in any way, shape, or form, of course, because that would be hell on earth to have a baby screaming for 15 hours. But then I would have had a bunch of stories, you know, to tell you guys or on as, uh, doing stand-up. I thought that it was going to be a disaster, but I thought when the disaster was over, I would have things to say. But instead, what happened was he was a fucking angel. He was a goddamn damn angel and uh we had no problems with him and you know what this you know what this does guys this this makes my wife want to travel even more and that fucking like you know i i tried to whisper to sam do me a solid you know be really annoying wake your mother up every five minutes so we don't have to take long trips like this anymore can you do that for me, son? And he was like, no, dad. No, I'm an angel. He, uh, he just, he didn't make a peep. He simply, the, on the trip down, uh, he played for, for a while. And then let me tell you, here's some advice from me to you. Okay. If you have children who are age two or under, because I, I have no experience with older children. But I will say, traveling with young children, got to go with that night flight, man. It's not just Sam. There were like four or five other babies on the flight, and none of them made any noise. Because it was, we, we took the flight at 1130 in the night. And so once the uh, flight attendants, once they finished handing out their, their meals, which, let me, they served a meal at Midnight. Why would you do that? It's a nighttime flight anyway. And then they said we'll serve breakfast, you know, close to when we land. But that was like 15 hours. You space it out better than that. You don't serve a meal at midnight. Anyway, it was fucking whatever. It worked out for the best. The babies, they slept late at night. Can I say something else about the flight attendants? I guess I can. No one's here to stop me is um, they're condescending. You know, and it's, as an adult man, and I'll tell you what, I have never felt more like an adult man than having a 15-month-old baby on a plane. You're just a fucking dad. You just do whatever dad stuff you need to do. I don't know what I was wearing. I don't know what my face looked like. I don't think I combed my hair in like at all i who cares and i was just i think i was wearing slacks of some kind just corduroy slacks and a a sweater with 
patches on the elbows. I believe that's what I was wearing. I can't remember because I was so focused on just getting my family through the flight. It's just like a couple of times, you know, I see young people and they they try to keep themselves together and they're touching themselves up or you, you know, you see a 30, I don't know, a 28 year old girl, you know, who looks kind of nice and she looks your way and you think for a second, all right, I'm a man. And then you're like, no, you're not. You're not a man. You're a dad. You that if she's flirting with you, then she's just wrong. Because you're not, you don't, you're not a sexual creature anymore. You've got a baby hanging off your hip and you just got to get through the day, man. Got to get through the fucking day. What was I talking about? Right, the flight attendants. It's just, anyway, people, everyone wanted to change seats all the time. And uh, we had the seats with the extra leg room. We paid for that. Because we thought we'd get a bassinet, you know, something to put the kid in when he fell asleep. But then they tell us when we get there that uh, he's too big. They say, oh, if he can sit up at all, he'll roll out of it and probably get really hurt. I'm like, well, what's the fucking, what's the point of it then? I thought it would have a seatbelt or something over the top of it, you know? But if it's just open air that a baby can just sit up and roll out of it, like, it makes no sense. Because even if the baby is three months old and unable to sit up, and roll out of it. The whole point of wearing a seatbelt on a plane is not because you're going to hit oncoming traffic. The the point of wearing a seatbelt on a plane is that if turbulence happens and you you shoot, you fall out of the sky for like a thousand feet in a second, like then everything will poof, will like hit the ceiling. That is not tied down. You've got, you guys have seen movies, right? Where people are in situations in a plane. Like that's that's the point of it. So if the baby has no restraints on the bassinet, like the three-month-old, it's okay if he bounces off the ceiling. I don't understand the logic. Here's what here's what you want to do, airlines. You what you want to do is give people that bassinet, and you put a little friggin' cage on top of it or something. You know, or just like a, like a loose strap. I don't know. Something. A mesh. How about that? Some kind of dome-like mesh. That can't be hard to engineer. And then so the baby, our baby, can sleep in it. Any baby. Because here's the thing. that You say he's too big for a bassinet. But under the age of two, it's a free ticket in Canada anyway. If the baby sits on your lap. So, like, I don't know if you've had, like, a 15-month-old on your lap, but they're pretty big creatures. It's like having a medium-sized dog. Like, and that's a lot to have on your lap for 15 hours. Plus, he wants to run around in, in the aisles and shit like that. I just feel like there should be a better system. And I think, in general, there should be a better system for airline travel like how have we not figured out a way to origami the goddamn seats so that you can actually sleep in them they they go back a millimeter and that's it that's what i'm supposed to sleep i didn't fucking sleep at all and then i i guys i got the factor five guys factor five blood clotting disorder gene or whatever the fuck it is that i told i was told so uh 
listeners of the podcast are, are well aware, painfully aware, that I have no bones. And so they've been doing all these tests to try to figure out why my bones are disappearing. And the only thing they have found, because they couldn't find anything about my bones, but they have found out that I have a blood clotting, um, a gene that makes me susceptible to blood clotting. Uh, so in, the, in a bad way, you know, that you, you form blood clots that can kill you if you're in the wrong circumstance. Like having going on a 15-hour plane ride. So the suggestion is uh, take some baby aspirin, thin out the blood, and um, get some compression socks, those old man compression socks. And uh, we board the plane, and then my wife says, so how comfy are the compression socks? To which I said, I forgot the fucking compression socks. Like Her mother bought me these socks. They were like 30 bucks. And uh, 30 bucks, which is like 800 Argentinian pesos, if I'm doing the calculation correctly, and I'm not. Forgot the goddamn thing. So now I was sitting at the beginning of the flight going, well, I guess I die on this flight. Is that what happens? But seemingly I survived. Now, I don't know for sure. Maybe there's a blood clot roaming around in my system somewhere, and this will be the last podcast you ever hear if I get a chance to upload it. Who knows when the blood clot will hit my brain. Any hoozles. It's just, I up in first class, like the seats that cost the only people who are buying these seats, honest to Christ, who are they? It's it has to be companies buying seats for their CEOs and shit like that. It is regular people, how can you justify? What type of money do you make where my my flight costs two thousand dollars and you're gonna drop fifteen grand? Two thousand 15 grand. Like, what? Who are you? Even if you are that rich, you can't give any money to charity? But I'll fucking do it, I'll tell you what. If I have the money, I'll do it in a heartbeat. I don't give a shit. No charity is getting my money if I can get one of those lie-down chairs in first class. Oh, my God. But there's still got to be a way to engineer a seat... Of some kind. Maybe change the whole system. You know? Get more of a beanbaggy device. I don't know. There's got to be something. Let's get some of the greatest mind. Elon Musk. He's done with the Tesla cars now, right? He's already gotten to Mars, I'm assuming. You know, he probably did that George Jetson Highway thing, too. So, you know, he's probably done with all that. Just get on airplane travel. I bet he fucking will. Well, I guess that is what he's talking about, right? With the with the uh, shuttle system that takes you as like, it's sort of like an amazing bullet train. Uh, anyway, the kid was great. He was, and then we get to Argentina. I guess I should tell you a little bit about Argentina. Now, I have not planned this podcast. I'm still kind of jet lagged. Even though it was only two hours in the difference, you get fucked up. Because, you know, you you just you just had to take from door to door. It was eighteen hours, so um, you're just not right in the head after that. I probably should have waited to do the podcast, but I know you guys are desperate to hear what happened. What happened is we had a nice time. Like you know what? Sometimes I'm disappointed in myself. I gotta tell you, 
my wife, she said to me about, uh, with about a day left of the trip, she goes, so do you have a lot of good Argentinian material for your stand-up? And I was like, yeah, no. No, I don't. I said, we'll see. That's my way of going, no, and I never will. I don't know what it is. Like when you're, a lot of comedians, they travel and they come back with these awesome stories. And I just travel. And the whole time I'm just worried about, is the trip going to go bad? Are we going to be robbed or killed? Is the plane going to go down? Is the baby going to cry? That's a new one for me now because I got babies. And uh, that's all I'm worried about. And then by the time I get home, there are no stories. There's nothing. Unless something happens. Like we saw a car crash, but that's not a good story. Hey, guys, let me tell you about this hilarious car crash I saw. There's nothing good about that. You know what, though? I will say this about the car crash. And I am not in any way, shape or form, trying to, uh, you know, make light of a situation where people probably got hurt pretty bad. What happened was it was a, um, like a shuttle bus. We didn't, we were, so we went, we wanted to go see this art deco museum that people told us to go see, but, uh, it was not open until 2 PM because people do things differently in, uh, South America. They just fucking, they have siestas and shit. They sleep for like 19 hours in the middle of the afternoon. And, uh, so we show up and there's like one security guard just trying to keep his eyes open because he's the one guy in Argentina awake at uh, 1.30 in the afternoon. And he's like, no, no, senor. Whatever the word for closed is. Ferme, which I think is French, but let's just, it's probably the same. And, uh, he said, we got to come back at dose. Come back at dose. So we have to come back at 2 p.m. Because, you know, that's when that's when they've decided to get off their lazy asses. And uh, we figure, all right, there's a park across the street. We'll, we'll go to this park. And uh, we walk across the crosswalk. There's like nine lanes in this one fucking street. And everybody there drives like a goddamn maniac. And it makes no sense, all right? Because we, okay, we're in Buenos Aires. Let's get that clear. We're in the richer part of Buenos Aires, which is the richest city in Argentina. So um, one of the the person we're staying with, he works for a company from France. They set him up with a posh apartment, and uh, he's got a good job. He's an engineer. So we're in the lap of luxury, all right, as far as Buenos Aires goes. So we um, were there, crossing the crosswalk, and as I told you, everyone drives like a maniac with no reason to do so. All right, we got the, the, the whole talk about the expensive area is that it's all very well-developed. You know, there's... There's coffee shops on every corner, fancy restaurants. You know, people have lots of money. They have nice cars. But the thing they don't do is pay attention to any kind of traffic law. I have no idea why. Like Sarah said, ah, this is a lot like, you know, the Ivory Coast. You know, they just don't pay attention to rules. I'm like, the Ivory Coast? You're talking about a West African war-torn nation, for Christ's sake. You know, they, of course, they're not paying attention to the rules. There are no rules where you were born. But here, like everything is is very modern. 
So you're just, you're simply actively ignoring the traffic law. It makes no, so every, they have crosswalks all over the place because it's a very walkable city and you need crosswalks. And the cars just go through them. And they, like, they honk at you if you are crossing. And they, they're coming down the street 100 miles an hour. They, they make a friggin' turn without braking at all, and I'm not kidding. And they just, if you're in the way, they're pissed off at you. It's, it's insane. The pedestrians think they have the right of way, which they do. And the cars think they have the right of way, which they don't. Now, I was saying to the guy we were staying with, you know, everybody would get around faster here if they all just paid attention to the rules. He was like, yeah, but they don't. So, so we'll get back to us crossing the crosswalk at that museum. We know full well that just because the light is red doesn't mean we're safe. So we bolt through the fucking crosswalk. And I don't regret that a little bit. About four minutes later is we don't hear screeching tires. We just turn our heads because we're in a little park there trying to get Sam to play on a swing for the kill the 30 minutes. And so no screeching tires, just a passenger van, shuttle bus, tip like flipping on its side, and then we hear boom, like just earthquake, like boom. And um, seemingly the guy, no one hit him, nothing happened. So my theory is, is just he was going through the intersection, going 900 miles an hour as they do, cut the wheel hard because... Who fucking breaks in Argentina? Nobody. And, of course, the van was like, what the fuck do you think you're doing? We can't make this turn. And then um, the thing hits the ground, and people go running towards it, which was great. It was actually heartwarming to see the amount of people that diving towards the car in traffic. Mind you, this is in a huge, busy intersection. And, like I said... You can't trust the cars. Like, for our, for sure, there, there was a chance that those people who went out to help were also going to be clipped by cars. But they ran out anyway. And then the back of the van, the doors, because it's on its side, so the, the driver has to crawl out through his window, which is now, like, the ceiling of his van, if that makes any sense. And he's crawling out, and then... um the the doors on the back, like people run over and they try to wedge them open because they're 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 kind of stuck. So they're kicking the doors open and then they start pulling these old people out, you know. And then I feel like shit. I'm like, oh god. Like at first I didn't even realize it was like a passenger van. It was a shuttle bus of some kind. I just thought it was some guy driving a van. But uh, then when I see them pulling old people out alive. You know, I here's here's what we looked it up. We couldn't find any record of anybody dying or anything like that. So it's probably okay. I I think I'll uh, I'll try to find it again when I go back upstairs. But Jesus Christ. And then and. We just we turn Sam the other way because Sarah, my wife, she says, um, well, is this really the only way to go back to uh, where we're staying? At least we think. Like, we don't know the area very well, and we just went into this park, and the park doesn't seem to have another exit. So uh, 
she was, Sarah starts walking that way with Sam, and I'm like, no, 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 we we shouldn't do that. What if he sees something he can't unsee, right? Like, if you see tragedy before the age of two, you can turn into Dexter. I'm pretty sure that's the way it goes. That's what they say, right? If you see a traumatic event, if, if a horrific event happens to you before a certain age, you can be a sociopath, Right. So I don't I don't know if seeing a bad accident would do that to a child, but I'm not taking any chances. So we go the other way and I say to Sarah. And bearing in mind, there's already a lot of people helping. There's people on cell phones clearly calling 911. And I recognize several things. Number one, as you can tell from my story about at Art Deco, where I couldn't even find the word for closed. And the only word I know in Spanish is dos. And uh, cerveza, por favor. Other than that, I don't know a fucking word. I don't know nada. That's the word for, for none. Because sa- I was saying that a lot. People were like, hey, espanol. I was like, nada. So obviously I can't help. I can't help for so many reasons, guys. So many reasons. I can't speak Spanish. My cell phone doesn't work there. So I can't call anyone even if I could speak Spanish. I have no medical training. I uh, took a CPR course about 25 years ago. Pretty sure that certificate expired. Uh, I, I I don't have any bones. I can't uh, can't be pulling people out of trucks. You know, I'm of no help. But still, I said to Sarah, "Isn't it? I don't know." My instinct was still like, "Let's get Sam out of here." You know, and she was she was like, "That's I think that's the proper instinct." I'm like, is it though? Because people, you know, don't heroes think at all costs, even at my own peril and my own family's peril, I will go help whoever these people are. Because if that's the case, I'm no fucking hero. Right? Because all I, I was just concerned about, because the first thing Sarah said, which I, I was worried about as well, was she was like, do you think there'll be an explosion? You know, and I was like, I don't know. In, in movies, when there are car crashes, things explode all the time. So, yeah, probably. Let's run. Instead of helping, let's, let's run the other way. We didn't run, but that was a concern. And there's a baby, and I don't want him to see blood and gore and anything else that might happen. You know, not to mention that, once again, I can't help even if I wanted to. So let's just say... Let's just put the hero thing on the shelf and say we're still not sure if I have a hero makeup. I'm doubting it. I'm doubting it at this point. But uh, who knows? All I know is that they should pay attention to the goddamn traffic rules there. For fuck's sake. You know what? And to go to a lighter subject, guys talk about rules the not even i was about to say unwritten rules they're not unwritten am i recording this podcast i just want to check down yes i am and my battery is is running out on my zoom fuck oh well we're 23 minutes in i'll talk until the battery stops or 45 minutes is up whichever comes first What was I saying? This is a good use of battery right here. 
just pausing to figure out what's going on. All right. The unwritten rule is not unwritten. The, the flight attendants, well, uh, not flight attendants, but the people who call you to the plane, whatever the fuck they're called. Man, I don't know a lot of information. What are the, I don't know, the airline people. You know, they're calling people by row number, by whatever, and people just, they just line up all over. The, you can't fucking get through. We have a baby, all right? And the best part about having a baby, and we all know what it is, is that you get to get on the airplane first. Well, second. Rich people still outrank babies for some reason. So the rich people, granted, you pay 15 grand for that ticket. I guess you deserve to get on your airplane. It's kind of weird, though, when you think about it. They get to get on the airplane first, you know, and then what? Sit in their seat for longer? It's already a 15-hour flight, and these guys... They get on, they, they have an extra 30 minutes to sit on the plane. Is that really luxury? What they should have is a dome, a mesh dome, where they hold the rich people and they are catered to. You give them coffees and whatever. And then when every all the animals are settled in the back in the economy seats and jamming their fucking way too many suitcases up in the overhead compartments that don't fit and fucking just taking off their sandals, showing their disgusting feet. When all those filthy mongrels have settled in the back, you, you someone opens the flap of the dome and says, Hey, rich people, you're free to walk at your leisure to your comfy seat. Because I'm pretty sure if you get the first class, like... You have an overhead compartment to yourself, and nobody can take that. In fucking economy and coach, you just, you're fighting like dogs to get one of the bins over your head. And the flight attendant took my fucking bin. The flight attendant, she put her purse and her suitcase. And like, I'm in, I'm in the priority seats with the extra leg room because we got them for the baby, for the bassinet that we weren't able to use. And then the fucking, there's only one bin. For my seat. It's not like one of those long bins for three seats and all the people share their communal stuff. I have one bin and the fucking flight attendant took it. I'm pretty sure she's not allowed to do that. So then I have to stick my my shit, which was only one bag at a reasonable size, because I'm not one of those fucking people dragging on a million bags and sticking them everywhere. So I put my bag, now I have to put it over someone else's and they have less room now and there's there's three seats and now there's only two sections available because i took it and so they're looking at me all sideways out of their eyes and i'm like what do you want me to do flight attendant took my fucking thing so yeah you then the rich people they have their guaranteed spot for their luggage that i that i'm sure of so they should just be sitting there you know having beers or whatever rich people drink uh, uh, martinis made of caviar. You know, and then they just leisurely walk on. Their flight should be shorter. That makes no sense. Man, I should be running the airlines. I'd have mesh domes everywhere, and rich people would be treated with the respect they finally deserve. Well, that they deserve, finally. That's a better way to say that. Okay, we still got battery power here. We're at 27 minutes. The trip itself to Buenos Aires 
was quite good. Oh, wait, I didn't finish the thing about the flight attendants being condescending. Sorry. Um, people, the filthy animals in the back, they're all trying to move their seats because it's a, when you, you're almost better off on a flight that's full where everyone goes, okay, I got to sit in my seat. But then when there's a bunch of seats open and a bunch of rows open, everybody's eyeing the rows like a fucking, like a lion licking its chops over some raw meat. Just, oh, look at that. There's a whole row there. I can stretch out there. And so you see everybody spinning their heads to look around. And then, then, but the unwritten rule, which is really written, as the flight attendants were quick to let us know, is that you don't go grab an empty seat until you've taken off and and the plane is level. You can't just willy-nilly grab seats before the flight takes off. Everybody knows that. Anyway, some people were doing that because, of course, we're in the back with the poor people. Poor people don't have any dignity or integrity. We scrounge, we scrape for what we get. And so people are just bouncing all over the place. And the flight attendant, she gets on the fucking uh, intercom. And she's like, "Uh, I've been informed by the pilot that people should not be looking for seats. I know it's not a full flight, but please stay in your assigned seat until we have leveled off at altitude. Then you may proceed to look for another seat. But the pilot has informed me it's a safety issue. It's like, first of all, lady. Stop passing the buck. It's like like we're all bowing to the authority of the fucking pilot. And he's I'm sure he's up there going, ah, don't drag me into this. Jesus Christ. I'm just trying to fly this plane half drunk. And the thing is, how condescending do you have to be? Like just it's a safety issue. She said it's a weight bearing issue. Where so when we're flying, really, the sixty thousand pound aircraft that has hundreds of people in it, that one four foot eight lady who wants to go to that other row, that's the thing that's going to tip us. If we're that fragile in the air, I don't want to be on this fucking plane. All right, honest to Christ. It's as if you get to pick your own seats, for Christ's sake, online ahead of time. If there was all kinds of rules about the weight, then they would only section you off. You wouldn't be allowed to go in certain areas. So families wouldn't be sitting together. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. There's only 10 people on the flight, so the 10 people can't sit on this one side. And that can happen with those very little tiny planes. I get that. You got a a six-seater plane, you know, that three people can't sit on one side. I get it, you know, but when you're talking about one of those fucking jumbo jets, you know, just what you, all you have to do, just let's all be adults and call people on their bullshit. You know, you just, you say, Hey, everyone, don't get up and change seats before we've reached altitude because then everyone's going to try to do it, and that's chaos. Be adults, sit in your assigned seat, and when we're all straightened away up in the air, go ahead and move to another seat if you have to, you fucking princess. Just do that. Tell people why. Say, look, obviously we're not going to fall out of the air if you take a seat 
in a different section before we take off. However, stay in your own fucking seat for a minute because we can't just have everybody getting up and running around. Sit in your seat, you animal. So in Argentina, very lovely. They say it's the Paris of South America, and I get that, boy. You go, I'm a world traveler, guys. It is, it is funny. I am actually a world traveler, and it's been against my will. Every little bit of it has been against my will. I haven't wanted to go anywhere my whole life. My wife's been dragging me all over the fucking world, and it's probably for the best. You know, although I don't, my wife says to me all the time, hey, we go a lot of places. Do you feel more cultured? Do you feel like you, I was like, no, I don't. Not even a little bit. I don't understand anything when I'm there. I can't get around. I'm relying totally on other people, my wife and strangers. And I don't speak any of the languages I go. Like, unless we go to, I don't know, uh, Missouri, I don't know the language you're speaking. If it's, if it's German or Spanish or, or, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of an African language. I've been to Africa three times, and I don't even know what language they were speaking in the place I went to. They speak French there, I know that, but there's an African dialect there, too, and I don't even fucking know it. That's how little... See, do you feel more cultured? No, I feel less cultured, because I have gone there, spent time in other people's countries, and I know just as little about it as if I've never gone. What is the fucking language? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, man, 33 minutes. Still going with no battery power. Oh, Zoom, you can do it. We can get through this shit. But, yeah, it's, it's very much like Paris. It's, uh, there's little little coffee shops everywhere, little restaurants everywhere. Um, very uh, Very walkable city, you know, people zipping around in little cars all the time. Uh, Vespas, you see some Vespas, and uh, it's nice, but apparently uh, more dangerous than we thought. First of all, there's the Zika virus there, so if you're planning to get pregnant uh, anywhere in Argentina, you can get that Zika virus, which causes birth problems, birth defects. You get that uh, microencephaly, I think it's called. But we were talking to people there like uh, we went to after we we didn't get to go to the art deco museum of course because there was the accident and all the fire trucks and all the thing and you know and i wanted to take sam away so we just we we started walking the other way randomly we did find another exit but this exit took us to this very palacey looking house and there's this guy outside he's like hey you want to come in and he, well, he said to my wife because she speaks spanish um she i don't know how she didn't she she has no affiliation with the Spaniards. She, uh, other than the fact that she's not totally white, she has olive skin. You know, but she's Egyptian, half Egyptian, half Canadian. She speaks French because she grew up in Africa where they spoke French and some other African language that I can't remember, which she does not speak. And uh, Farsi. No, that's no, no, that's not even close. <laughs> that is, uh, that's somewhere in the Middle East. Man, oh, man, it's, the more I travel, because, you know, when, when you travel, you're talking to other people who travel, and you realize how much shit people know. My wife was sitting down with the guy we were staying with, Emmanuel, and uh, his wife, Marie, and they were just talking about the different tax plans in different countries and the different fucking uh, 
retirement plans and RRSPs and ah, oh, you know, you have the you have the defined contribution plan, and then and then you have the 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 not defined contribution plan. I don't even know what the other one's called now. And, and even though they told me this story three days ago, and I'm just sitting there listening to these people going, I don't know. I'm an adult. Shouldn't I know what you're talking about? What the taxes are in my own country and other countries? You know who speaks what language in Africa? And should I? I just I don't know. All I do is walk around telling my poo jokes. Learning nothing. I tell you what, you guys, you you probably take it for granted. If you're out there and you're listening and you have a job and you get paychecks and you have investments and, and, and stock options in your company and then they have a retirement plan and it has medical and dental benefits and all this stuff, you probably know how all of that works. And let me tell you something. If you choose a life where you live on the fringe of society, like a, like a fucking hobo in the woods, as, as stand-up comedians and musicians are. I'll, I'll throw musicians in with me. Like, you just don't get to know that stuff. Because you don't sign up for anything. You don't get medical. You don't get dental. You don't have a retirement plan. There's no retirement plan for telling jokes. You just, you, you have to die early. That's the whole plan. But my wife is a lawyer, and, and she works for the government, and so she has a defined contribution, which means she gets a certain amount of her salary for the rest of her life, which, I, as far as I can tell, is the best type of retirement because you're guaranteed money until you're dead, whereas the other one, you just you get the, you put in money, and your employer puts in some money, and then when you retire, you start taking out the money, and then eventually the money runs out, Right? Something like that. Any hoozles. I don't know anything. I go to all these places. But I am a world traveler. And what I do know is that it felt a bit like, you know what it felt like? And I said this to one of the guys there, and he didn't really like it. He's from Argentina. Uh, He's another engineer. He was just a friend who was at a party. Um, They kept having people over, which I found odd. You know, we came halfway across the fucking world and uh, they have, they keep having get-togethers with other people. And then I said to Sarah, do they not want to be alone with us? And I don't think they did. Because I think the guy, Emmanuel, we'd never met him before. Sarah's best friends with this girl, Marie. And Marie has a baby Sam's exact age. So, of course, Sarah wants to go traipsing across the globe to see this kid. And um, we do that, but... As we're going there, we realize we don't know this guy at all. We've only seen him in pictures, and he probably doesn't know us, and we don't know if he's going to want us in his home for a week. You know, so at first, it seemed like, you know, he just, he, he was just living his life, and he was inviting friends over, and uh, I was like, yeah, fair enough. You don't know us, right? You Why waste your evening with some strangers? But then he, you know, he got to know us, and who doesn't like us? I mean, my God, guys, I'm a fucking picture of loveliness. I am. I'm a I'm a I'm a good time as long as you speak my language. Which he does. He speaks French and Spanish and uh, and English. It's just that's how I don't know. It just feels like when I travel, 
That's one of the reasons I don't like doing it. A, I feel stupid the whole time. I don't feel like I know how to get any place or what to do or, you know, any of it. And then this, and then also everybody seems to be speaking so many languages and they seem to know so many things about life and culture and business. And I'm walking around going, hey, yeah, I do, the, I do comedy at the comedy clubs. It's like, oh, really? So do you do like a one-man show? Do you have a, like, that's what they were asking me. Like, how, what's the theme of your one-man show? I was like, oh, the theme is I like to be funny for 45 minutes. I mean, because that over in Europe and shit, like they do their one-man show, they do these one-man shows. Or one-woman shows. Let's include the ladies in this. And they, they have like a, a story arc, you know? It goes, it's happiness, it's sadness, it's, it's all kinds of things, personal stories, you know? So, I was like, no, in North America, you just try to be as funny as possible uh, for as long as possible. You want to fit as many jokes as you can into 45 minutes to an hour as humanly possible. And then you've done a good job. It was like, oh, okay. And you could tell, he's like, yeah, it sounds like shit. And I was like, yeah, it probably is. So anyway, it was a good time. But we didn't do, we didn't do a lot. We have a baby, and the baby only stays awake for, you know, a few hours at a time, and then you got to put him down. So we were just going from place to place, and then just coming right back. And one of the places we went, of course, was the Art Deco thing. Didn't happen. We're, uh, I'm getting back to this story, because I finally remembered that I needed to. And, um... This dude is standing outside this big out big ass house. Sort of looked like a museum, but a small one. And he was like, "Hey, do you want to come inside?" He says to my wife in Spanish, "That's how I got on this diatribe. That's what it was." So uh, she answers him in Spanish, "Sí, señor." So I'm like, "Oh, I don't know what's happening now. Are we gonna we're gonna be locked up in some guy's basement? What's happening?" But he was a security guard for uh, Saint Martin, Saint Martin. I know Saint. Uh, no, that sounded French. Saint Martin. I I can't even do it. So this dude is the hero of Argentina. Apparently, apparently he liberated Peru. He liberated Argentina, which wasn't Argentina at the time. It was something else. And he liberated some other place that I can't remember. And he did it as non-violently as he could. He was a military leader, but he did not like the violence. Said the man. And oftentimes things were settled from for duels. For military leaders, duels at paces. And he never lost a duel in his life. He had to fight 15 and he never lost one. And apparently you don't have to kill people at a duel. You just have to agree on terms. If I strike you in the hand, if I knock your sword out of your hand, something like that, the duel is over. So he would always try to have the nonviolent duels, but he won every fucking one of them. Old St. Martin. And it was actually nice. We learned something. I've already forgotten most of it. But it was nice to learn something for once. And we went back and we told Marie and Emmanuel about it. And they didn't fucking know it. I was like, oh yeah, where's your fucking defined contributions now, buddy? Where's your fluent Spanish speaking now? Where's your kid who does nothing but Montessori now? Your kid doesn't know it either, does she? No, 16 months old doesn't know anything about St. Martin. But that's the other thing. Is, uh... Marie is a Montessori teacher. 
So we expected Sam to show up to be just the, um, I don't know, the blob that he is. Like I said to Sarah, it's going to be, it's going to be humiliating. Like her, her daughter feeds herself and sits at a table. She puts out a placemat. Uh, she plays with these wooden toys that are all Montessori approved. And in case you don't know, Montessori is like a, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like a learning method for children. It's like a, a way of life for uh, young children that is supposed to help them flourish. And um, a lot of important people, a lot of, uh, I think the CEO of Google and shit like that, they're Montessori kids, you know? So uh, we, we don't do that with Sam. We just uh, try to get through the day. But I got to tell you, he held his own. He didn't know how to sit down or set a table or, you know, participate in any activity at all with the other, with the other child. Sam hates children. He really cannot stand babies his own age. He um, loves adults. He was great on the plane, great with Emmanuel and Marie. You know, he's just great with their nanny. Of course, they had a nanny. They had a nanny and uh, a house cleaner because why not? Oh, we don't have any of those things. So, um, very good. Very good with the babies. Hey, I'm at 45 minutes. I'm going to end it soon because this battery's definitely going to run out. He's, uh, he's very good with the baby or very good with the adults, horrible with the babies. And, um, the adults, like they give him attention. And, and my wife, she was saying like, I don't get it. What's? What's happening? It's it's like he likes to entertain the adults, but he, he hates hanging out with kids. And I was like, yeah, because adults are a captive audience. He's my son, all right? And whatever you want to say about me, the fact that I don't know shit, I only know one language, and I'm not very good at that one. And I don't know anything about taxes, and I don't know anything about any other country, even ones I've spent weeks and weeks in. But what I do know is that people pay me money to say things into a microphone. I'm a professional entertainer. So my son is the same as me. He wants an audience. He doesn't want a peer group. You know? He doesn't want a bunch of people who are his equals. Like, that's me. I got, when I go to a stand-up comedy show, I'm there for the audience. The, the other comics in the back, ah, they're just in the way. You know, that's why I hate all the open mics so much. It's just me sitting around with a bunch of other comics. Like, no, you guys. Fuck, I don't need you guys. You guys do what I do. What I need is a bunch of strangers who don't do what I do and look at me with some form of respect and or awe. That's what I need. My friend Daryl was picking us up from the airport and another comedian, hilarious Daryl Purvis, he, well, what a fucking champ this guy was. Picked us up at 5.30 in the morning, for Christ's sake. Daryl picks us up, and we're telling him the story about how Sam hates all the other babies. And, uh, and he said, huh, for the first time in my life, I understand that this could possibly be your kid. I was doubting it because the kid is, <laughs> Sam's a really nice child. And so Daryl's like, I didn't see it. I was thinking... Maybe it's not Mark's, but hearing this antisocial behavior, yeah, 100%, not falling far from the tree. So that's it. We made it, guys. 47 minutes, 
battery's still going. Oh, Zoom, you're a fucking... You and Daryl Purvis, champs. Thanks so much for listening. I will try... I'll ask my wife some shit about Argentina. I'll get her to jog my memory or to just tell me things I can tell you. And um, so I can, you know, go a little more in-depth about the trip. Because really, all I've done is rant about how stupid I am and uh, how airports go. And you guys know both those things by now. So thanks for listening. I'll check in with you again soon. I'll try to do another one this week to make up for the one I missed so you guys can hear great entertainment like this. Once again this week, this is Mark Bennett. I said shut up, and good night, everyone.